uh, Yuri um, Bezmanov, uh, whose links are up on YouTube, up them up on my website too. You find in the archive section. He goes through the system of contamination, and what that means is a form of brainwashing of the mind into a form of liberalism, where anything goes. You think, and uh, once you're contaminated, he said, you can't break out of it. You're, there's no point talking to people who are contaminated, who truly believe they're, they're living in a very liberal, happy society, and uh, anything should go, as you say, anything goes, as the old song says. And they didn't put that song out there by mistake either a long time ago, because this agenda has been around for an awful long time and working, always working towards this goal. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about how the term contamination is so apt because it's a form of brainwashing we all get and eventually because everyone's brainwashed with the same uh, beliefs and so on at the same time through the same system, uh, they think they're all quite sane and they don't realize that they could be actually technically insane uh, because they've never really thought for themselves at all. In fact, it becomes impossible for them to think for themselves at all. They have their built-in defaults, as Mr. I think Sunstein would call it. They go back to default position if you mention something that's not quite politically correct. And these are all sciences, of course, which are used upon them, and they don't know it. And um, as I say, the Soviets understood this technique perfectly well uh, all through the Cold War and after the Cold War. And as I say, many of their, their defectors who came over from the KGB uh, all th- went through the same kind of scenario as Yuri Bezmenov did with the techniques that they were using on the West. And remember, too, that the, the Soviet system was to blend with the Western system after about 70 years or so, according to Lenin. And um, you find that from the Rees Commission as well. It was pushed out by the, the Congress of the U.S. as an investigation into the tax-free foundations that seemed to be funding all the left-wing movements within the United States and Europe. And uh, they were told by the CEOs of the corporations, these, these foundations, that uh, their job was to do that, was to blend a Sovietized system with the West. And, and of course, Khrushchev didn't call it uh, communist in the U.S. He called it, he would call it liberalism, he said. And so liberal attitudes were to be pushed, and, and your, your attitudes are generally given to you. Your, your morality is given to you as well. There's a, there should be a natural morality there that's innate within people to survive in peace with each other. And once you get beyond that, you end up with a form of chaos. We have it all around us today, but people think nothing of it. They think we're just evolving and becoming more free, as they say. More free is a term they actually use. Here's an article here, uh, and I said this would happen because this is part of the agenda. I've read part of Julian Huxley's books on uh, the air here, where he talks. This is, again, the CEO of UNESCO, the first major CEO of UNESCO for the United Nations, who was set up to set up a a, a culture for the youth, really, and through a a world educational system to ensure they all got the same indoctrination in any country. It would all be the same. 
And Huxley said it. He says if we can hyper uh, make sex sexuality a hyper uh, thing with children before puberty, he said they'll have a neurotic desire. That means a never-ending desire for sexual activity after puberty. And the idea, I said, was basically so they wouldn't bond with people and marry and uh, bond for life. Because you see, a family is a basic small tribe, and a small tribe will stand up for any member who's attacked by the system, big brother. So you eliminate all of that, and you have no problems at all. Other big players have said the same thing. And they've gone so far now, of course, the the pretty well uh, achieved their, their goals and uh, we've had 50 years of degrading, degrading, degrading movies and, and television to bring us down to this step. But Julian Huxley also said that they would use sex education, which he knew darn well was really just a, a form of getting children interested in something which their hormones were not ready for yet. It makes them uh, hyper-excited eventually, and eventually when you become really overdose with something, you, you, into the, you, you become perverted. You go into the jaded stuff because you're jaded, you see, and you've got to be, have more excitement and more excitement each time. Here's an article here, and it says, Opinion, why decriminalize child prostitution? And it says, this is the AOL News, Believe it or not, the average age for a girl entering prostitution is 13 years old, and the average age is declining as buyers want younger and younger children. Nobody knows exactly how many children end up being sold for sexual services. Oh, yeah, they do. But the number uh, is in the multiple thousands, and the problem grows bigger and expands to more cities and towns every year. But every one child victim is one too many. Decent people are appalled and want to stop this outrage. You see, the rest of them have no outrage at all. You'll notice no matter what happens today, most folk have no outrage. In fact, they're, again, they're neutral. It's moral relativity. Oh, well, you know. It says, however, one good-sounding solution that many states are considering will surely produce unintended negative consequences that will make things worse. Compassionate people are being lured into the idea of decriminalizing child prostitution. Compassionate people, of course. The argument goes that children shouldn't be arrested because that only punishes the children twice. Instead, they should be sent to shelters. Four states, Washington, Illinois, Connecticut, and New York, have already passed decriminalization laws. Others are considering it. The problem with this well-intentioned change is that it won't end the exploitation, but will likely make it worse by removing the only safe and secure protection these vulnerable children have from the pimps, being arrested and placed under the protective custody of law enforcement. Ask rescued children, even those who initially parrot back the safe harbor language that some rescue organizations are teaching them, and many will say that their arrest is the only reason they are alive today. It makes it possible for pimps to tell children that law enforcement can't touch them and won't help them. Sexually exploited children are victims, frequently beaten, injured, and abused, neglected, and in need of rescuing from pimps. That's in often murdered as well. Johns and sometimes themselves, decriminalizing child prostitution does not pave the road to, to rescue and rehabilitation. Instead, it could make that road more difficult. And then it goes on the, the other problems that they have. Where they say, oh, there aren't enough shelters or uh, programs to handle all the victims. So just removing legal barriers will not build more shelters, but it will create a, a great atmosphere for exploiters to coerce more victims. Without sufficient shelters to care for the victims and without laws to remove children from prostitution, what will happen to these minors? Where will they go? Without legal means, will the police be more or less likely to look for them? 
and the children would be free to walk. Without criminal charges, participation in shelter treatment programs would be voluntary and they're free to walk out any time. But you understand we shouldn't even be discussing this because this should not even be happening. Do you understand this did not used to happen? Society has been under attack for an awful long time, a very intelligent, well-funded attack for a long, long time. And not from the street level either, from the top level, to put all this stuff through, to create the kind of society that you have today. And eventually, you see, they want to decriminalize everything, even pedophilia. That's part of the big agenda, if you didn't know. I've read the articles on the air before from the big boys themselves. Of course, they are into all that stuff. But we shouldn't even have to discuss this stuff today. You understand society's had it. When a society has no morality, and forget all this nonsense, everything's moral relativity, when you don't have a common morality, anybody will walk over you. You're done for. You can't stand up for yourselves as a nation, as a people, or or even individually. It's over for you. Now, this article came in right after it was quite something else. You get these synchronicities. And I talked about being, being jaded, of course, and how it must be avant-garde all the time when it comes to sexuality and depravity because it goes into depravity when you're so jaded. And a generation's grown up already watching nothing but porn, uh, hard porn on computers and so on. All intentional. You know, uh, that's the only thing I knew about computers years ago was that, oh, there's lots of porn on it because the media kept informing you there was lots of porn on it to try and get everybody into it. This article here is from the Mail Online. Students watch a woman being pleasured by a sex toy as part of a class at Northwestern University. It says the president of the school is now launching an investigation. Yeah, sure. A live sex act was performed in front of a group of students at a top university which involved a woman being brought to orgasm by a machine-powered saw, a saw with a phallic object instead of a blade. I'm surprised. Maybe the next show she'll use a blade because we're so jaded with the, with the, the phallic object. I guess they changed a, a jigsaw into a frigsaw. Northwestern University of Chicago, which charges more than $40,000 a year in fees, held the unusual demonstration at the campus last week in which a group of students watched a naked woman being penetrated by the powerful sex toy. The graphic art, graphic art, see, it's art, you see, was performed in front of about 100 students in psychology. Professor John Michael Bailey's human sexuality class. Well, I know all about Mr. Bailey. And then it says, um, Jim Marcus and Faith Kroll performed a live sex act on stage at the Northwestern University while more than 100 students watched. It says that the demonstration occurred after class and attendance was optional. This is in universities who are doing this stuff. It says, uh, Ken Marvin Berg, co-owner of Weird Chicago Tours, was paid about around $400 to guest lecture at the university, which was organized by Professor Bailey. His discussion on bondage, swinging, and other sexual fetishes included video footage of a woman who was having an orgasm, but when it was deemed unrealistic, the idea of a live sex act was introduced. After the initial discussions at the Ryan Family Auditorium, the class were told that a couple were going to demonstrate the use of a sex toy and the female orgasm. 
the power of saw turns sex toy used in a psychology lecture at Northwestern University um, was operated by Ken Moylvin Berg. And um, says that demonstration occurred after class. The attendance, the attendance was optional. Ken Moylvin Berg, co-owner of Weird Chicago Tours, was paid around $400 to guest lecture at the university, which was organized by Mr. Bailey. His discussion on bondage, swinging other sexual effects, oh, they're just repeating what was said already anyway. It says, um, Jim Marcus and his fiancée, Faith Kroll, said they enjoy people watching them and have sex uh, uh, and, and thought their display was educational for students. Very educational for students. I guess this is a new handyman with his new tools. After the initial discussion that Ryan family or through him, they were told that the couple were going to demonstrate the use of sex toy, which they did, and so on. This is the world you're living in today, and this, this is supposed to be... Uh, your tax money is funding these universities. And everybody's becoming jaded till they can't stand. Perverted. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Another thing too is people are wondering about police cutbacks. Believe me, they're not really cutting back that much at all because they keep creating special units and they don't call them police anymore and so on. But this brave new world that you're already in, by the way, um, is a totalitarian system. It's based on perpetual debt through IMF and every country signed on to it. Every department has its own department assigned to the IMF, in fact, to borrow money. To take, uh, to take, to spend across the world on your behalf, to helping other countries supposedly, and the debt is paid off by you, if you didn't know. That makes sure that the same system will ride on in perpetuity forever with compound interest, with the same guys in charge, regardless of the generation. And that's what it's, that's really for. And they're bringing in a hell on earth, and you don't know it because you're getting used to it already. You're already acclimatized to being searched going through airports. Now they want to do the same thing in buses and uh, and railways and so on, and X-ray you and probably grope people along the, the way, and probably wait and wait to get on the bus or grope you along the way until they put the darn machines in the bus as you walk up the steps and they'll scan you too. That's coming, folks. And for countries that are supposedly broke, um, there's just no end to the military toys are churning out. And again, you're paying for your own chains once again, for every drone that's made, for instance. Drones set to invade national and state parks. It says, when I was a child going to summer camp in New York's uh, Adirondack Mountains, I counted myself lucky if I saw a black bear once or twice in a season, but campers may soon be able to regularly see something bigger and badder when climbing the high peaks. The Reaper drones flown by the New York Air National Guards, a 174th fighter wing based in Syracuse, New York. And drones aren't just buzzing over the Adirondacks. The proposal to begin training missions there is part of a bigger push to build a drone infrastructure for flying missions throughout the United States. By the way, they're already doing it because, as I say, I've got photographs of them launching some of these things on the Great Lakes. I mean, special forces in a boat, a very long, long telescopic camera took it and uh, did a darn good job too. I said, so no, uh, and new drone bases are being built all the time. The FAA is setting aside airstrip and spaces for drone flights. I can even get an accredited college degree in roboplane repair or operations. 
And it says, today most U.S. drones operate overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan, with rumors of drone use in Yemen, Somalia, and other regions around the Horn of Africa. Most of these are flown by the military and a few by the CIA. But because of United States laws and regulations, neither of these groups can fly or easily fly drones within the United States. However, I've heard and I've read recently too, they've already, uh, they're already changing the laws to allow them to buy them all. And all the cops in the, in the, in the country are in on, they, they want their own toys, you see, to go around snooping on the general public. Do you understand this is a totalitarian system you're already living in? And there's, there's hardly any response out there. As you well know, if you're out there and try and tell people, there's no response from the people. So, you know, you understand you're talking to damaged people? Contaminated people. They can still go out and do their usual things. They can get into their internet. They can have cheap entertainment of the most debased kind. And they'll, they'll continue to the bitter end with all of this stuff. Uh, right down to having drones flitted in and out of their houses, probably. They won't mind at all. They really won't mind. They don't mind the internet's monitoring every darn thing that you do under the guise of terrorism. Most of them, and I've warned so many people about Facebook, I mean, he's a guy who comes out and tells the public they're a bunch of, you know what, you know, stupid, you know. And he sells all their information, and the people still use it. There's no hope for people like that, you understand. When the owner calls them stupid effers, and, uh, and they continue to use it's right. And he sells it all. It's just astonishing, but I cannot help people like that at all. And to be honest with you, I'm almost at the stage of saying it's time to go. And I mean go from the country too, because I'm seeing all of the same things introduced into Canada with its value-added tax, which is called general sales tax here, being increased again this month over everything. And that incredible amount of taxes into the government's hands. Because every stage of a product, that tax is charged right down to the consumer. When he buys it, too, then it's on there again. They can go through 20 different charges, collecting cash, 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 a whole, the whole way. And the government's rolling in your, your tax money. And you aren't going to see a penny of it. And there's just, oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? The usual. They're gone. Anyway, um, there's uh, Vartan in Toronto on the telephone there. I'll see if you're there, Vartan. Hello. Oh. Hi. Yes. Uh, Mr. Watt. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? I can. Um, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, I called for, I have a couple of questions. Um, um, if you want, uh, give me your opinion. The first one is, if um, to have, I have a, a, I have a son, and do I have to push him somehow to get the George Orwell books to read it, or let him go on with his friends? I'm first generation Canadian. He's, mm-hmm. he's born here. Uh, what do you think? What was the point with your son? No, what was the? If 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 I should push him, give him books to read, to, uh, read books about um, uh, George Orwell's yeah. book. Yes, you, can, you certainly can, and you can also get the if he if he's even modern and can't read like most of them to be, won't read, you can get the movie version, and I'll I'll put the links up for that tonight. But hold on, and we'll talk when I come back from this break. 
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking to Vartan from Toronto who's inquiring about uh, George Orwell's 1984 book. There's also um, film versions of the same thing and each version has uh, a little bit that their ones would miss so you have to watch them all really. But uh, the unfortunate thing today is getting the young ones to read at all because uh, most of them are going through school, you know, and they've never really uh, finished any book they've ever ever looked at, don't have to anymore, you know. Um, and, and there's something, something that if, if he, he does, he does uh, uh, understand at, at the system, the totalitarian system that mm-hmm. he lives in. And what is it that me, to protect him um, and let him not to go too much ahead, with himself and to, uh, around, to me and everybody who listens as well, and just and keep in a safe until he mature, mature more, without being, uh, without being um, carried away. Yeah, the hardest thing, as you know, is peer pressure from his own age group, and he does have a whole system that determined to get into his mind. Basically, is designed that way through school and again through peer pressure from his friends and uh, he'll want to conform with their ideas too just to be accepted but you can still be accepted by people and express your own opinions sometimes if you can do that uh, they'll actually admire you because you're thinking outside the box and you're showing them other views of things so if he has that ability he can certainly survive it but you, you, yes you should be um, educating him as much as you can uh, with uh, these books and so on. Yeah. I have something else. I have another question to ask. Is 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 this uh, um, double speak or the the uh, um, Oceanian language? Is there a chance for to reverse to same to reprogram or reverse to the word that I wanted to use? It's used. It's used everywhere. Uh, all the all all the systems now in politics and use it. Academia uses it all the time. And, of course, all the big systems which are there to do your detriment are using them as well. It's like family planning. It sounds nice. Family sounds nice. Planning is nice. We all like plans. But family planning is about abortion. And uh, rather than say abortion clinic, you know, they call it family planning clinics and stuff like that. So, um, double speak truly is used by politicians more more so amongst their own kind and the, the bureaucrats above them uh, who immediately adopt the new speak of the day, whatever it happens to be. If it's suddenly global warming, those all part global warming. If they were told to change tomorrow, it's global cooling. It's always been global cooling. They'll all say the same thing and look you straight in the eye and say it's always. That's just how they are. They themselves. Are, are brainwashed and uh, and trained into bureaucraties and bureaucratic uh, bureaucratic type of thinking. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, uh, yes, I want to say one thing. Can I say some uh, hello to my friend Bob in yes. Western Toronto? Sure. Bob, call. Please call. Can you can? This is great. Um, and uh, this is my first time caller. And uh, and uh, um, thank you. 
Thank you very much for all the work um, you do for us. Thanks. Well, th- thanks for calling, and, and don't give up on your son. Uh, get the books and uh, and even sit and discuss little parts of it with him and uh, get him interested into it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Together, yeah. Can be done. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And we'll go to Heather from Montreal now. Is Heather there? Hello, Heather. Is that Montreal? Hello? Hello? Yes, Heather. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. How are you doing? I sent you another donation. <laughs> oh, great, great. More people should do this. I know my computer actually it, it gets a fright when it gets one coming in. I just wanted to discuss with you the scientific outlook um, by yeah. Bertrand Russell. Yeah. Uh, you had discussed it on your other show, and I think most people should really read this because it's really all in there. It, it's <laughs> so all I mean, in there. Yeah. Really, just I, I was overwhelmed. I was actually quite shocked when I was reading um, parts of it because. You know, there really are two tiers in the society, and we're, we they really do look at us as if we're cattle or a herd. Yes. And I, I, I really compared it to Plato, the Republic, and I uh-huh. also found that he sounded so much like Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Um, I, I was just overwhelmed because I could see it in my own life how I'd been sort of guided into um, my my lower my job. My ner- I'm a nurse, and I basically remember kind of being. This being suggested to me when I was quite small, I guess, through the school system. Mm-hmm. And um, he discusses all of this. It's, it's there in black and white. If anyone yes. wants to see, it's there. It's there, and he did belong to the top think tanks his whole life long, by the way. He belonged to um, the, 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 the think tanks at the Tavistock Institute that, that helped work with the culture. He worked with the Frankfurt Group. He worked with the Macy group that were brought over from uh, Vienna, the part of the Vienna school. And uh, he, he worked with all of these guys to bring in this common culture for uh, the cattle, you might say, the people at the bottom. And that's how he saw the people at the bottom. He actually said that eventually under this totalitarian system with the, the intense psychological indoctrination, it will be impossible for the people to rebel or even think about rebelling as impossible about as, as sheep uh, complaining about the price of mutton. That's how he likened it. Well, it's only just, just from like studying all this and, and I guess gradually just becoming more aware and you realize how your own mind, how you, you're not really, you're in a reality that I, I don't even know how to express this, but it's just you start to realize that there's other way, higher ways of thinking, mm-hmm. and that we have no access to this. We've never been, mm-hmm. we've never been allowed it. We've never been allowed the opportunity to even go as high as we could go. Never. I don't know oh if no. Coming never. across very well, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just appalled. And you can really see this is this has been going on a long, long time. Yes, this it is has. Not a new yeah. thing. I mean, mm-hmm. population control, all of it. They. They decide what population is. It's, he's written, he writes it like, and yes. he's only one example. I was just appalled. Mm-hmm. Well, he was best friends again. He knew H.G. Wells, who also worked for the Fabian Society and the Royal Institute for International Affairs as a propagandist. And he knew um, uh, George Bernard Shaw, again another founder of the Fabian Society. But Russell also worked with the other groups, the big groups, who worked about bringing about the present culture that we're living under today, with this music, by the way, the type of music they'd bring about, and with Theo Adorno uh, uh, from the Frankfurt School, 
and with the, all the, the ones from the Vienna School f- f- who literally were into creating a new type of totally obedient, brainwashed society for so-called world peace. And uh, and he worked his whole life with these people, and he attended all the top think tanks. He helped form the strategies of the United Nations and through uh, UNESCO and for for national educational systems and international education systems. He said it was through the children, he said, that we can we've, he says, we'll bypass the older ones and we'll go right for the children, and that's what they've done. And we've grown up uh, right through their whole system, never knowing that everything that comes along, every new fashion that comes along, the miniskirt came along, the pill came out at the same time, uh, drugs came in at the same time. That was all discussed at the Frankfurt School. That's what they would do to destroy what they called uh, the old morality and bring in the, the new type of uh, uh, relativity, moral relativity. And there'd be no bonding between people. There'd be lots of single people. And he said, as and Julian Huxley said, um, they can have lots and lots and lots of all kinds of sex, he says, as long as they don't have children. He says, that's all they care about. So that we're happy fools at the bottom, all rutting like bunnies, but at the same time, we're not having children. And, and so they've achieved their goal, actually. Yeah, I, I feel the bars of the cage all around me. And yes. it's really hard. It's really, really hard watching it happen. And, you know, you just want to... <laughs> You just want to slap people, and I mean this hypothetically, but mm-hmm. you, you just sort of watch it all collapse around around you, yeah. seeing it all happening. And I'm totally disgusted by society right now. Lastly, well, you, you will get to that stage. You'll get to that stage. See, everyone's looking for someone to stand up and lead them into some kind of rebellion. And even people I've met in stores now say, oh, the people won't stand for it. Oh, yes, the people will stand. They'll stand for anything. And uh, that, that, see, they tested all this out in the early Soviet system when, when people uh, were being starved to death even. And uh, Drzezinski and other ones said, uh, do they fight? Do they rebel? No, they, he says they just turn around and eat their dead. That's what they think of the people. And unfortunately, they've studied humanity so long, they know that's true. Because the last thing folk will there's no common, unless for any successful opposition, and this is what the Soviets knew, of course, you have to have a philosophy. The founding fathers of the U.S. also had a common philosophy and a common culture. Without that, you, you have nothing to stand together for. And, and that's the problem. They have successfully destroyed everything that, that held people together right down to their cultural or moral roots. It's all gone. You know? Yeah, I see it. And I just re- and I realize myself, there's, they can make people do anything. Anything they, they want. Really Anything, and that's what's really scary to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and really Canada uh, is going to race ahead now. Canada, in a few years' time, will be the same cesspit, cesspit of Britain. And that's what Britain has turned into, an absolute uh, welfare state cesspool with massive taxes, massive costs of living, uh, and, and complete dysfunction between the families, anything left of family. England's really changed because I was over there in the 70s mm-hmm. when I was quite young. And I remember yeah. the police being bobbies yeah. and not carrying guns. Mm-hmm. And it's changed so much. It's incredible. It was a complete, literally, it was a psychological, well-financed uh, and, and well-thought-out war on the public to destroy. And, and Tony Blair told his uh, the assistant prime minister, he told him, he says, we're going to destroy the face of Britain. He says, and all of its culture forever, he said. 
and he says we'll bring in massive immigration from the most diverse peoples. Well, that that seems to be new, and he'll take the heat for that. However, that's what the Royal Institute of International Affairs have been talking about for the last hundred years, because I have their old books, and they said eventually they would do that very, very thing, and they've achieved their, their goal. And that's why I left Britain. I saw that coming years ago, the socialist over overwhelming governmental big brother state and it's coming to Canada here now I can see all the same policies introduced very quickly now and with the value added tax which is your GST that's going to race up until match Britain at 25% maybe 28% on every item that you buy on top of all the other taxes they're putting out there and uh, so it's going to plunge to the bottom very quickly once they put taxes on your heat and your energy uh, and consumption uh, and all the rest of it uh, you'll be in a poverty state very quickly, honestly. It's incredible, though, how people adapt, Alan. They adapt. All around me, they're adapting yep. to the, the prices. Yep. Nobody complains. It's just incredible to me. Yes, I, mean, I, I, I can remember. I can remember. And you probably remember, too, when if the gasoline went up two or three cents, they'd, they'd mumble about it at least. Mm-hmm. But you don't even hear that anymore, do you? No, they just endlessly adapt. And they, yep. they just endlessly, endlessly adapt. And it's just... I, and I, I just don't even bother. I try to sort of talk to people I know, but I just, I can't, I can't seem to get anywhere with most people. I don't know, or I get told to be just, come on, you, you know, you're really negative about all this. Uh, don't be so negative. Light, lighten up. Get a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, I want to thank you for what you do, Alan, and uh, more people should support you. Truly, you're really an educator. Well, we'll see how long I last because it's, I think I can see the end coming, I think. But thanks yeah. for calling. Yeah, thanks Thank for calling. And yeah, Canada truly is, is uh, we are merging with the states as we know. We've gone through the, the, the NAFTA and the free trade negotiations and all the different charters they signed amongst them. The last people to know, of course, are to be the public. But um, we've already amalgamated so much with the U.S. And it's not that if it was the old U.S., I wouldn't mind so much. Not so much. But this is not the old U.S. It's the, the, the same darn system. Uh, of, of this world global agenda and it's not a pleasant U.S. that's coming down when you see the armaments that the cops have there with armoured vehicles and all their, their riot gear and bulletproof uh, Kevlar this and Kevlar that and machine guns and so on and drones all over the place that is because they know that eventually folk will not be organised but you will have riots out of poverty what they call the mob that's what they call them in all the books at the top, or when the mob riots are easily dealt with. And they're making sure that they're going to contain any problem and eradicate it very swiftly when, when riots and stuff break out. Because we're all in massive debt to the World Bank, the IMF, and so on. And we can't get out of it with, com- with compound interest. It's impossible. That's what compound interest is for. And... Um, uh, and they want to tax more and more and more. As we're giving money to China and other countries, these emerging countries, they're actually uh, closing down schools and, and hospitals, etc., uh, around us. So the people will adapt into utter poverty, most of them, unfortunately, and they'll, they'll go out like, uh, like, like the hollow men, the hollow men, as they call it, with a whimper, not with a bang. And that's what the big boys are hoping to do for this global society. You'll understand, too, in the writings of, of years ago, the liberals in the West and the Soviets and the communists and so on, the Marxists, and the Marxists, by the way, are still very high on the, the totem pole working with the big world bankers. That they love, the bankers love the Marxist system uh, to, to manage people. 
and the Marxists uh, uh, talked about this particular phase as well of demoralization. We've been through that. We've been through the demoralization process, and now we're into basically the debauchery process. Uh, people, in the, even in their personal lives, are becoming debauched, and they're, they're addicted to cheap, dirty, uh, predictive programming, entertainment, so that they start emulate the stuff they see on television, and technically they're, they're goners. Those people are goners, and there's no, you cannot rescue people who are so contaminated. It cannot be done. You can only hope to get through to the occasional person here or there, and just like Orwell's 84, it may be something that you say to someone that passes down through generations and takes root maybe even even a hundred years, maybe longer from now, because that's how intense this programming system is. The youngsters think it's all quite normal, that they were born into this system of technology, cheap entertainment and so on, and they don't have no knowledge of previous ways of living. They have no knowledge, most of them today, of having two parents and a family that stayed together. And uh, they have no knowledge of people actually talking in the home, at the dinner table, and chatting to each other, and pass and, and really by bonding with each other. They have no knowledge of that today. Everyone's living separately, watching their own little iPod or whatever else they're watching and listening to, or, or BlackBerry. And that was all intentional as well, to disrupt the family unit, separate everyone into their own little cubicle, and then the government is in charge of everyone. And that's what it's come down to. Terrible, drastic, sick, but a fantastic plan. It's diabolical, obviously, but it's a fantastic plan. You've got to admit it's worked so, so well in this system as they go out, as I say, without, without, with a whimper, not with a bang. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And it's true, you know, Britain at one time was a pretty safe place to, to live in. And people knew the basic rules of the culture. There were not a lot of policemen around in certain a lot of towns and so on. And you'd go anywhere uh, unmolested. And uh, and then it started changing and changing and changing with uh, massive unemployment. At the same time, the ads on TV was all about boozing, boozing, and the youngsters around uh, drinking like crazy until the, the stalking started, and the gang started, and the mugging started, and so on. All from television, by the way. I can even remember when Starsky and Hutch was controversial because every scene started to show you them pulling guns out and aiming at someone's head, holding them to the head, and that was banned for a while in Britain. And, and then after that was all relaxed, anything goes, anything at all until it's just debauched. The BBC turns out all the, the predictive programming, and truly the people uh, copy what the actors do in certain situations. They do it in real life, and the, the whole place is a shambles now, absolute shambles with drugs and poverty and hopelessness. That's the key, is hopelessness is, is built into it now as the new normal, as these guys at the top constantly rip off everyone, um, and the scandals every week, nothing ever happens as the politicians fill their pockets and their private corporations on the side and so on. It's disgusting. But that is the new feudal system that Professor Carr quickly talked about. We're in it. We're already in it and under it. 
And here's an article here. Two ministers signal that advances in technology meant there was nothing to stop such controversial surveillance measures becoming commonplace now because the, the, the unmanned spy drones in Britain are being released upon the general public in massive quantities. CCTV cameras that recognize faces and cameras also in the back of taxis could soon be the norm on the streets of Britain. What do you think that's all for? Eh? And it says um, Christopher Graham, uh, the information commissioner, uh, said last year that the Britain is heading towards becoming a surveillance state of unmanned spy drones. It already is a surveillance state. GPS tracking off employees and profiling through social networking sites. And the idiots use them, the Facebooks and all. You, know, you can't stop idiots, can you? You can't. He said the relentless march of surveillance had been snooping, uh, seen snooping techniques intensify and expand at such a pace that regulators were catching to keep up. The coalition government has pledged to roll back the surveillance state and restore civil liberties, which is a lie. As proposals contained in the Protection of Freedoms Bill last month included giving police or the public the power to take councils to court if they can argue that the CT, CCTV is being ab- abused or is intrusive. When you're being watched all the time, that's called intrusive. If you're guilty of nothing and you're being watched, that's intrusive, folks. A consultation on plans for a code of conduct for those using CCTV was published yesterday, which will be monitored by a new security camera commissioner. So another new level of bureaucrats, you see, and lawyers will make their cash off of the cattle at the bottom, uh, and they'll go on with their their inquiries for years, as they always do. Even though they admit that these cameras are of limited value to police investigations and so on, but uh, you see, it's big, big cash, and it's also to train the public. You're being trained that you're under surveillance. That's the most important part of all of this, training you to behave differently. You cannot be spontaneous. You can't be natural because now you know you're being watched all the time. You're being trained, just as Orwell uh, talked about too in 1984, where Big Brother had cameras everywhere watching you. But hey... There's lots of good entertainment, cheap on the television, isn't there? When I get off the air, why don't you go and watch it? From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. 